This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, it's Jan. You're listening to the Langpreneur podcast. I have a question for you. Have you ever lived abroad? If you like learning languages or if you like teaching foreign languages, well, there was a big chance that you've lived abroad at a certain stage in your life, right? Maybe you're even living abroad right now. Um, I spent quite some time abroad. I spent actually most of my 20s in other countries um, running online businesses. I spent like a year in, no, it was less than that, like half a year in Brazil, a few months in Morocco, and then like two years in China, almost a year in Indonesia. And I also did a few summer school semesters or summer semesters, as they call them, in South Korea. Now, when I was there, I was already fluent in Mandarin and I was like, okay, why not learn Korean as well? So I went to the internet and I searched for YouTube channels, websites to learn Korean. Now, I learned about this brand called talk to me in Korean and I also learned that he was organizing these language exchanges in Seoul now I was in Seoul at the time so I actually decided to go to one of his events it was like 150 people super crowded um, Hyungo was there as well of course I had a brief chance to say hello to him um, and that was it I went back to the Netherlands I didn't didn't continue with my Korean studies and um, yeah, up until recently we're thinking, okay, who can I interview next on the podcast? So I thought about Hyung. I contacted him. I said, hey, I'm this guy. Um, actually, went to one of your language exchanges like eight years ago or something. I'm sure you don't remember me. But fortunately, he was kind enough to make some free time and um, yeah, do a, do a, an interview with us. So um, that's my guest for today, Hyung Sun, the founder of talk to me in korean one of the most popular resources when it comes to um when it comes to learning korean and they really conquered the whole industry basically in this interview we're going to learn how hyungwoo grew a huge audience in a niche market the importance of building a lifelong relationships with your audience and why your books should be instagrammable he also of course going to learn what he means by that he really refreshed the whole Korean learning industry, if that's a word. And um, in this interview, you're going to learn about his story and learn how he did it. Sounds good. Now, before we get started with the interview, let's first say thank you to our sponsor. So are you building an online language business and are you at a point where you need help, where you need some expert advice when it comes to taking your business to the next level well then there is good news for you because we are now offering our langpreneur six month one-on-one -on -one coaching program and in this in this coaching program jan yes that's me will be helping you one-on-one -on, -one on taking your language business to the next level so some of the things that we will help you do discover the holes in your business fix them and instantly generate more monthly revenue but also for things like getting clarity in your current situation create a killer business strategy based on your personal ambitions and yeah if you want to grow your language business then there's really a unique chance um, 
We're only taking on three new clients every month. So if you're interested, send us an email at info at and then I will send you more details. Okay, guys, now let's get started with the interview. Here is my interview with Hyungu Sun. Hey, welcome, Hyonu, and welcome to the Langpreneur podcast. We actually had to do a few exercises in order to get your name right. I still think it's not perfect, but yeah, welcome to the Langpreneur podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, about Talk to Me in Korean, how you get started, uh, all that kind of stuff. Thank you, Jan, for having me on the show. My name is Hyonu. By the way, you pronounced my name perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I almost passed as a Korean. <laughs> exactly. Just by saying my name, my name is not that rare, so it's good to, you know, be able to say. Yeah. So we have this website called Talk to Me in Korean, which is about 11 years old, and we basically help Korean learners around the world learn to speak Korean to a very high fluency level um, on their own. So they don't have to live in Korea to be able to speak Korean fluently. So that's what we are. We have books podcasts, online courses, uh, membership on the site, and many other things. Yeah, so you have a huge online community. Uh, actually, you know, we, I remember, like I spent a few months in Korea a long time ago, like eight or nine years ago. I don't even remember mm. exactly. But mm. I remember back then I was interested in learning Korean, and you were already the biggest, and this was like a <laughs> long time ago. So, yeah, you build a huge community. Uh, you have lots of products. Um how did it all get started? So, yeah, um, you told me that you remember meeting me at one of the meetups. Yeah, so exactly. good to see your face again. <laughs> <laughs> and it all started as, well, as a hobby in the beginning. I wanted to help my personal friends because they were asking me all these questions about the Korean language, Korean culture, just life in general in Korea. But then, you know, these questions are all repeated questions the same questions over and over again so mm. i started by uh, making and breaking a blog here and there like you know a blog post on a new blog and then i th didn't like the idea so i made another blog so i wanted to just um, collect all the information i wanted to give to my friends mm. but then i quickly learned that people do not read that well so when I, whenever I write a long, lengthy blog post, people are like, they come back to me and just say, just tell me about it, like mm -hmm. in person. Yeah. So that's how I got the idea of making YouTube videos and a podcast so that I could, you know, yeah, be there for them yeah. virtually explaining everything verbally. Yeah. So you, it yeah. really started with a blog. That was the first thing. Exactly, exactly. It was a blog that people didn't really read easily or very frequently because everything was too long, mm -hmm. too many details. But from that, I also learned that people like bite-sized, very easy to follow um, information. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And that's how you got started on YouTube or the podcast or what was next? Um, so I went on to YouTube to basically make videos explaining things about Korea. But then I also learned that uh, there's this concept called subscription on YouTube. Yeah. I, 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 I was just looking for any free platform where I could upload videos. Mm -hmm. So I hosted my first YouTube video. I think this was 
before YouTube was acquired by Google. Yeah. Um, back then, it was a smaller website. So I posted something there. And then I get emails from all these people saying that they subscribed to yeah. my channel. I was like, what does this mean? What, what do they get if they subscribe? Yeah. So then I realized that there were people expecting videos. So I started making personal videos. And then I made a podcast. But then it was still all a hobby. Yeah. And I, I also learned that uh, I couldn't do that forever mm-hmm. <laughs> if I kept it as a hobby. So I started thinking about how to turn this into a business. Yeah. So that's what I did. What were you doing at the time? Like before it was a business, when you were working part-time on the business, what, what were you still a student or what were you doing? So in Korea, we have this unique system where students, university students are allowed to take years off very easily. Mm. So I took two years and a, uh, two, two and a half years um, to do my military service for two, two and a half years. And then uh, on top of that, I also added three more years off my college years so i was a student for a long time working yeah. here and there um so i was still a student officially but i was also doing uh different part-time jobs mm-hmm. mainly in publishing books so that's uh-huh. where i learned how bookmaking works uh-huh. and i was also helping out with uh, another korean teaching podcast back in 2007 which is still around uh But after about a year of helping them, I realized that I wanted to do something from within Korea because it was an American company, yeah. uh, not based in Korea. So there were obvious limits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you, well, you got some traction. People liked your videos. They commented on that. You received emails. And then, you know, how did you, how did you know that it was possible to turn this into a business or or did you know that from the beginning like what was the moment you realized like hey wait if i double down on this i can do this full time i did not know that i could actually turn this into a business i didn't even think about it Uh, these days when my younger friends or younger people come to me uh, for advice i always tell them go into it with a plan but i didn't go with a you know plan Um, i just had this only goal which was to help people learn korean that's why i only had six months worth of living expenses mm-hmm. uh, i only had six months to survive on my savings but i just didn't care and um, during those six months i think i uh, produced more than a hundred different like materials for learning korean yeah i just kept on going and because everything was free we had nothing to sell um so of course everything was free of charge so we had a huge following quickly like more than 30,000 people liked our facebook page um very 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 quickly and this was like back in 2010 or 2009 2010 yes so but luckily when i was about to run out of money because we were so Uh, rapidly growing on social media, there was this company that approached us with a business um, idea or a proposal uh, that uh, where we would run the official Facebook page of a Korean government body. Ah. So we were offered a little bit of steady income for a year, 
so that we could actually focus even more mm. on creating content for free. So that was kind of an extension to our lifeline, I think. Yeah. So that was good and bad at the same time because good, um, all the Talk To Me Korean followers didn't have to worry about us suddenly turning into a very profit-oriented business. And bad because we still didn't have a business plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because so you we, were still we were, lying, you know, comfortable on the exactly. revenue that you got from that government organization. Exactly. Exactly. It wasn't much, but it was uh, enough for us to stop worrying about our business plan yet. Mm-hmm. So that went on for a bit. And then I came to the conclusion that I cannot go on forever like this. So we, in a metaphorical way, we burned the bridge. We were like, we don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) We will survive on our own. And that's when we looked into things. And by then we had a bigger following. So we asked people uh, a little more openly, uh, how can we uh, do this together? Like, what would you buy from us if we make something? Yeah. So people suggested the obvious ideas, ebooks, books, etc. Uh, so that's when things got more serious. So mm. we now have more than more than 30 books that we printed ourselves and our books are top quality, they're really beautifully designed. And we also carry other publishers' books as well that they want to sell through us to yeah. reach a, a wider audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. So these days, talk to me in Korean is more than you know. It's more like a publishing company then. Actually, not really, because we don't do the publishing ourselves. We want to focus on content creation. Yeah. So we 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 could do the publishing ourselves, but we uh, actually have another partner company that okay. focuses on publishing. Mm-hmm. So we are currently fourteen people, like heavily focused on content creation. Mm-hmm. So. The publishing company is uh, eight or nine people, so we could actually have the publishing arm yeah. uh, within the company, but we don't. Yeah. Now let's let's you know let's first go back before we start with all the exciting stuff. Let's first go back mm-hmm. to to that point where you turn it into an online business. Because, I mean, how big was your following at the time? Just for our listeners to get an idea of you know how big of a following you need to have in order to really. Um. Like mm. because this was back in two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. Everything was different. Exactly. Facebook, the Facebook pages. I think it was easier to grow Facebook pages. YouTube wasn't maybe as big. Like, do you remember how 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 big your audience was at the time? I don't. Yeah, I don't remember clearly. And what I can say right now is, on all these various social media channels, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, being a, an educational channel or company that teaches this language called korean it's not english it's not spanish it's not french it's not chinese it's not like one of the most popular languages or it wasn't yeah it's very niche market so having a korean teaching youtube channel or instagram account we we never not even once we never had an explosive growth point Mm. everything has always been very linear Mm. even when some videos became super popular we never saw any spike in um, audience numbers so if you're looking into some chance growth like suddenly if i make one popular 
video teaching this language, maybe I'll suddenly have a million YouTube subscribers. It, it's not going to happen to most people. Mm-hmm. So everything has been linear. But in the beginning, since it was a very novel approach, I think um, we easily got 20,000, 30,000 likes on Facebook, uh, on our Facebook page really quickly. We weren't tracking, but our podcast downloads were like through the roof, really, really quickly improving and increasing. Um, So I think I I can say safely that we have, we had um, more than 20,000 people as loyal followers they were ready to buy whatever we were selling yeah of course of course the big the whole pie is much bigger now but yeah. back then we had twenty thousand people we uh, started with twenty thousand people but of course from those twenty thousand people not everybody can afford to buy stuff mm-hmm. from us which is fine you know so i think for us now, out of all the people who are following us on, on, on the internet, maybe 3%, 4% mm-hmm. end up buying something from us. Yeah. And that's enough to mm-hmm. run the business. That's more than enough. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you ask the people at the time what they wanted? Like, did you have them on a mailing list, for example, or not, or not really? Was it just a YouTube video? Hey, guys, we, we want to create a product for you. What do you want? How did you interact with your audience? How do you ask them? Having a mailing list also was one of the things that we learned after a while. Um, In the beginning, we didn't have a mailing list because obviously we were only thinking about teaching Korean. So we asked on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. So yeah, we were getting these uh, comments from people. That was it. And then we worked on one idea, another idea, not everything went um, as planned. The first book that we published, the first few books that we published, we um, had to stop selling them because we had this uh, problem, legal problem with our first publisher. So we went through a long lawsuit mm. and we, we won because we were right and they weren't. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but it took us two years to, to win mm. that lawsuit. Mm. Um, so that that was a huge waste of time and money Mm. so things were complicated but we were um dedicated to uh, Mm. teaching korean so yeah Mm. we pulled through Mm -hmm. so even from the beginning you launched your books through a publisher you never directly sold ebooks to to your audience why why did you decide to do all of that through a a publisher Mm, because right now i think with technologies, uh, devices like the iPad or other tablet PCs, it is easier to learn with uh, digital materials, ebooks. Mm-hmm. There are lots of note-taking apps that will kind of simulate the note-taking experience uh, with a paper notebook. But back then, um, those things were not very common. And I still believe books are much better than digital copies of something Mm -hmm. so you know we were just thinking about what's what's the best for learners like will they learn better with a pdf file or will they learn better with a pretty book that they want to carry and show off to everyone yeah so how do you do you like you wrote the book by yourself at the time or do you already have team members and what do you do next so you have the format of the book and then you just call around for publishers and you ask them to publish your book or how does that work 
So uh, it works in exactly the same way um, that you would publish any book. You have an idea and then you approach a publisher. But luckily, we had already published a lot of lessons. So I already had the first drafts for everything that would go into the first book. So we had that script and then we showed it to the publisher. They were like, okay, we like it. Let's put it in print. And uh, we had the proofreaders. Uh, yeah, so we added a few more steps, but we had everything that could be printed right away. Mm -hmm. Just for the listeners who are interested in, you know, maybe doing something similar, um, because of course you can self-publish, you know, on Amazon, but you know, mm -hmm. it's also interesting to work with publishers, right? Because they can get your books in the bookshops and that way mm -hmm. you get more exposure. Um, so how does it work like revenue wise? They get most of the revenue, I guess, or what? how does that work? So revenue-wise, we have a very unique contract with the publisher. Um, so one of the reasons that we don't do all the book publishing ourselves is if we were to do that, we would be actually spending a lot of time on inventory management and printing, all that. We don't have to, we don't, like, we only have a few sets of every every book that we uh, published in the office we don't even have the warehouse in the same building mm -hmm. it's across the street so mm -hmm. i only visit uh, you know occasionally so so we don't have to worry about that we just focus on content creation and mm -hmm. because our website has many daily visitors the majority of the sales actually happen on our site. Okay. Yeah. So we have a author contract, yeah. but at the same time we also have the distributor contract. Yeah. Okay. So so uh, the yeah revenue split is a little bit unique because you make most of the sales yourself. Yes. Yes. And that's all possible because you have a lot of website traffic. Now first. Um, let's first go back to audience building because you have a huge YouTube channel. I'm not sure exactly how big, but I think you quite quickly get right, to a right million. Now, <laughs> yeah, right now, yeah, I think we will reach a million this year. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was the key to that? Just consistency and having a niche from the very beginning, mm. and just keep going. Um, or what do you think? What's the secret source of, of your YouTube channel? I I think you already said it. Consistency um, in the Korean language education field, at least. Um, there were many channels or creators that kind of came and went mm -hmm. like they thought it would be fun. So they started it, but then they knew that the market was not as big as they you know, thought it would be. So mm -hmm. they left. So um, with a language like the Korean language, you don't study for a test for a month or a year and then give up. It's kind of like a lifelong yeah. hobby. You like like the country, and then you just continue listening to the K-pop bands like BTS or other songs forever for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So, if you stay with the learners for a long time, who will they come to when they suddenly want to buy a book? Mm -hmm. They will remember your brand name, and they will remember your face. And being in the game for a long time also i think gave us a lot of advantages so uh, we we have a ton of learners who were 
13, 14, who, who, when they started learning Korean, they remember me being like 29. I'm 40 now. You're and, 40. You look really Yes. <laughs> Thank you. So they remember the younger version of Hyunwoo. And they were, you know, also there when they were quite young as well. So we have a long relationship. A lifelong relationship, yeah. Yeah, and you recently had your daughter uh, be born. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah thank I heard you. heard in, in a previous podcast episode. And, yeah. you know, when you go through a life event like that, it's all meaningful, right? So when one person remembers writing a comment using one of the lessons grammar point, making a sample sentence about like, oh, I'm getting married next month. Like they will remember that, yeah, that experience. And then when they come back seven years later, they can tell us, by the way, I told you that I was getting married. You might not remember, but now I have a five-year-old daughter or son. So we have a yeah, very long relationship. Yeah, I guess that's what makes us, you know, as langpreneurs, as you know, online language business, online language business owners, we we put our face in our content, right? And we really create mm-hmm. this lifelong relationship. And I actually remember because you gave me, you just told me about this example about my daughter that was born uh, three weeks ago. I actually remember watching a video of you where you mm-hmm. visited your. Uh, I think you you have two sons. Is that correct? Yes, yes, I have two sons. Yeah, so I remember that video where you went to the hospital to visit your newborn with your older <laughs> son. And I, I yes. remember that video because it's, I don't know, it was actually quite unique content. It was interesting to see mm. the, re- the reaction. It was very personal. So, mm-hmm. yeah, now when I want to learn Korean, you know, I can only think of talk to me in Korean. <laughs> so maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's the secret sauce, be personal. And, uh, yeah, well, you, you're doing a good job at that, um, obviously. Thank you, thank you. Um, is YouTube your biggest traffic source or where does most of your traffic come from? Do you know that? Um, at first, I think it was, but not anymore. People just, thankfully, just remember our website name. And whenever they want to learn Korean, they just go to talktomeinkorean.com. Mm-hmm. And when when we look at the analytics data, people just come directly to the site. Um, it's not like, you know, people just randomly watch our video and then they're directed to the site. People just come directly. And that's a good thing for us because that's where our products are, our courses are sold. And that that way we grow as a company and that we can give back to the community even more yeah. materials. Yeah. Now you have so many courses. Do you also have digital courses, by the way? Or are you mostly yes, selling yes. books? So we have online courses, digital courses, where there are audio tracks that they can listen to. There are quiz questions, um, video lessons that they can listen to, that they can take, mm-hmm. in addition to the books. Mm-hmm. So what what are you selling first, like to new visitors? First your books or first the digital course? How do you go about that? It, it really depends on the person. Uh, we actually have more than 250 free lessons that they can take so if um first you know whatever reason if they can't start with a paid service yet or you know ever or at all they can they can learn to speak korean to a very big degree 
with our free lessons as well. Mm. So uh, just taking 250 courses or lessons, which are about 10 minutes long each, mm-hmm. it'll take months. So um, people can do that for a long time and then they can finally save up enough money to buy a book or they can just order a bunch of books and then just study on their own and mm-hmm. then go back to the site to listen to the lessons for the first time. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on the person. So how do you decide what to give away for free and what to charge for? Like your like the free materials, for example, are, are these just exercises or do they also include videos and audio files all that kind of stuff like how do you how do you decide what to give away for free and what to put in your paper well well a very interesting question if we were to just design our website from scratch once again things would be a little bit differently organized but because we've we're you know we've been building content for a long time our approach our strategies also have changed so initially since we started publishing these core grammar lessons for free because we wanted to help people we never switched those core grammar lessons to a paid content model so they have always been free and they will always stay free so i have always known that that cannot change that should always be the backbone so we built a paywall around it mm. so people can still listen to everything for free. They can track their progress. They can get, um, you know, these uh, sample sentences and all that. In addition to that, if they upgrade, they can get uh, review quizzes. They have suddenly have access to all these other courses, more mm. detailed courses, uh, more listening practice, more quiz questions. So it's optional, purely optional. Yeah. So how would you do it if you had to redesign a business? Would you keep it the same way or would you do it differently? Um, so if I went back in time to 2009, 2009 when I launched the site, I think I would have done exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I were to advise someone who's starting a business right now, um, maybe things would be a little bit different, like because there are so many other tools that they can use, like apps that they can build more easily than before. Mm-hmm. Um, like back then, being a one-person YouTuber teaching a language, only relying on YouTube revenue was impossible. Mm-hmm. I was one of the three people in Korea that YouTube Korea enabled to make revenue on their YouTube channel. One of the three people in all of South Korea, population of of 44 million. Yes. Uh, So I was a very (laughs) ancient YouTuber in Korea. This happened in 2010. So in 2009, 8, 7, my first YouTube video was uploaded in 2006. But for four years, it was impossible to make YouTube your career because the system wasn't there. But now there are so many like set formulas that you can follow. Yeah. So I think it's much easier than before to be a one person creator business uh-huh. on YouTube. You have a membership on YouTube. If you're personable, if you are knowledgeable, um, you can be more agile, I think, more nimble. Mm-hmm. So I would give that advice to most people, but 
um, for with what I want to do, I, I can't be making all these books by myself. So I'm, I'm happy with our current shape. Mm -hmm. How big is your team today? You said nine? Fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. Whoa. Yeah, uh, we're ex yeah we're, we're expecting to grow uh, to twenty by the end of this year, and then um, I've yeah I've decided to make the team grow more quickly for more efficiency. Whoa. I've been kind of deliberately um, postponing hiring more people, but now I think it's the right time to step up. Twenty again. people. I mean, whoa. Um, so how do you divide the tasks the tasks what's what's are most um, people working on content creation or how are the tasks divided so i wouldn't say that we're a big company yet but uh, we have uh, several several teams we have the research team which is the uh, content writing and uh, authoring team and we have the production team video editing audio editing uh, and we have design the design team we have designers and uh, we have the customer support team of three people, and we have the management team. So there are some people who, whose roles kind of overlap, but we have these teams, and the tasks are divided into, yeah, teams. Mm. So now you, I mean, in the beginning you were, well, just a content creator, but now you're more like the CEO, right? Are you the one managing the team? The teams. Yes, yes. So, yeah, how the, do you experience? Company. Yes, how do you experience that transition from going to from, you know, from being a content creator to managing all those people? It's a lot of fun, actually. Um, a lot to learn, and it's like learning a language. You just have to figure out how the grammar of the company works, and um, unlike a language where the rules are already kind of set. With the company, it's not. So I have to be good friends with um, everyone. I have to also give people more freedom. Uh, that's why I um, try not to have lunch with everyone too often. Like I just have a sandwich by myself, give them freedom. <laughs> um, just yeah, just give them my credit card or something. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, managing. Your own self, your self-discipline, your tasks is easy. Managing other people is so hard. Mm -hmm. Now, in the beginning of this interview, you you briefly mentioned that we, um, you know, you, you used to organize all these events, these meetups, a long time ago. I think like eight eight years ago, something like that. In Seoul, I actually attended one of those meetings, mm -hmm. um, which was fun. Mm -hmm. Now, how? Has organizing these meetings helped you to get a better understanding of what, you know, all those foreigners that want to learn Korean are struggling with? Mm. Uh, first of all, the reason that I came up with this idea for that meetup um, was because I wanted to travel and meet people from all these different countries, but I couldn't afford to. Um, I didn't have enough money as a student to travel to um, Mexico to to learn Spanish or to China to learn Chinese. I couldn't do that uh, that easily. So I thought there must be some people from all these countries that live or stay in Korea right now. So mm -hmm. I started that meetup and it was uh, at first 10 people meeting once a week. Two years later, it was 150 people meeting twice a week. <laughs> and 
in, in other cities too. Um, so it was never going to be a business. I didn't charge any, anyone like anything. I just asked people to kindly buy a cup of coffee from the coffee shop that's so generously letting us use the place. Um, so it wasn't going to be a business. So um, there was a lot of stress, like how do I deal with complaints? How do I deal with troublemakers? So it was a lot of work, but just doing something out of pure volition, like pure personal motivation, I think uh, helped me a lot. Like nobody was asking me to do it. Uh, if I stopped that meetup just the next day for no reason, nobody could blame me because it was my meetup. It was my idea. But uh, I continued for eight years and just seeing people's happy faces. And there were so many couples who, who were made in, in those meetups. And, <laughs> All because of you? Uh, uh, partially because of uh, the meetup. And so many people actually got married through Whoa. those meetups. And Whoa. some people, you know, some, some new people were born because of those meetups. No. And just just seeing that happen was a pure joy even if even though it meant i couldn't do i couldn't get as much practice as i wanted personally i was there managing people half of the time the other half i was just exhausted but it was fun so why were these meetings so successful do you already have a big online following at the time or how, how did all those people find you just word of mouth. There were other meetups in Korea back then, but they were all charging like $10 per person. And there was always a lack of balance. There were too many Koreans, too many foreigners, like mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah. So, and because the other meetups I heard about are, were businesses um, when there were not enough people, they would disappear or something like that, you know. But because it was a pure hobby for me, uh, you know, it didn't it didn't affect me. So we just yeah had a lot of fun. I made a lot of good friends. Yeah, to me it sounds like just talking to you, it really sounds like one of the reasons for your success is that you did a lot of stuff for free in the beginning, right? Like with these meetups, you were the only meetup that was doing all of this, was organizing all the meetups for free. And then mm -hmm. the same with Talk To Me in Korean back in, the, back in the day, you know, you were, well, the only YouTube channel or the only that, that really created content and gave a lot of stuff away for free. Do you think that's, that, that's one of the secrets to I, how um, you get traction in the beginning? I think I can say yes, and I think it's um, mm, yeah, it's relatable for a lot of YouTube creators too, um, because uh, in the beginning YouTube doesn't even allow you to monetize your videos on, uh, until you have mm. certain you know view counts. Uh, so it's kind of like starting a YouTube channel, although the concept of starting a YouTube channel and monetizing your videos eventually didn't exist back then. Um, I just wanted to create content that could benefit people all around the world. And the, the idea of my freely downloadable podcast episodes 
stored in so many people's pockets, you know, yeah. iPods or uh, MP3 players of other brands. It just thrilled me. And I, because, you know, I, I, I live in Seoul, um, I bumped into so many people along, you know, over the past decade saying, oh, I, I know you. I, you know, I've been listening to you. <laughs> I, I listen to your voice like every day. And that, that humbles me. You know, I, I feel like I'm honored to uh, be given so much of their time. It's, I think it's the same with any podcast, but when somebody listens to you every day for like 30 minutes, it's, it's just an honor that they would do that for you. Mm-hmm. you know? They could be doing so many other things too, but they choose to listen, to, you know, they choose to give you their attention. So I'm thankful, but giving, giving away free content and helping people for free definitely helps me achieve my goals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's huge. Um, you have lots of courses. I mean, as we briefly mentioned on your website, I think you have like you're selling over 30 books. Um, how do you go about creating new materials or course creation? Let's say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting started. I also have an online following and I have people that want to buy from me. Like, what do you do next? You ask them what they want and then how do you, how do you create all these materials? It really depends on how um, big of an organization or how how big you want the team to be if you want to continue being on on a one-person creator. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't advise you to start building the curriculum from scratch. Like, um, don't think about creating 10 different grammar books um, within a year because it's impossible and you will never get there without anybody's help. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if you want to do it on your own, create some fun vocabulary books because most language learners, they have maybe three or four grammar books for any language, mm-hmm. but they can have more than 10 different vocabulary books because mm-hmm. vocabulary books are like dessert or mm-hmm. you know side dishes, but you can only have two or three main courses, right? So um, I wouldn't advise you to start with a grammar curriculum, but something fun like a phrase book, travel phrases, vocabulary, just test the market and you know, see if people will like your ideas and uh, all that. But if you want to start as a big team, maybe you want to get an investment from a big corporation, mm-hmm. um, plan well and think about 10 years um, from now mm-hmm. and what you wanted to want to what you want to be remembered mm-hmm. the most for yeah. um, do you want to be remembered as the that that company that makes language learning all gamified or do you want to be remembered as that voice uh, only teacher or something like that mm-hmm. I want to be remembered as a teacher that understands the learners struggles because mm-hmm. I also like learning languages mm-hmm. and um in the books, I think people can feel that, oh, Hyunwoo must have had that kind of struggle himself. That's why he also put it in there to help me as mm-hmm. a learner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So how can people create those books by themselves? Because most of us, most of our listeners, they well, they either work by themselves or they have small teams. Like let's say I want to create a phrase book. 
where do I start? Do you start with a Word document, writing out lots of phrases, or how do you, yeah, how do you do that? That's exactly what you do. You <laughs> write one one page a day, and um, these days with Amazon Direct Publishing, mm -hmm. you can even just sell a book on the um, print-on-demand platform. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. you don't have to print two thousand copies. So sell one book, ten books, and then change it up. And just, I, I really like the concept of the you know MVP, minimal viable product. Yeah, it doesn't have to be perfect. So create maybe a one hundred page or fifty page ebook and sell it to fifty people for two dollars. You know that's something to begin with. Mm -hmm. You know, so and then just make it bigger and bigger. Uh, too many of my um, friends who are thinking of starting a company, they, they think too big. Like they, they plan to be a YouTuber for two years and they never become one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just, yeah. And um, have you ever thought about publishing your materials on Amazon or is there something that you, you don't want to do or cannot do because of these partnerships that you have? Or um, We actually are working on that right now. My coworkers are actually couple publishing as we speak uh, a lot of our books to amazon kindle mm. um, right now very very thankfully we are not affected by the covid19 situation um, at all mm. people are because we have fast shipping through thl people are still ordering books and our books are delivered very quickly um, so people are studying more uh, at home but we've been getting a lot of requests for ebook versions mm. of the books so mm. all of our books are already on google play and all, all of our books are going to be on amazon uh, within the next week or so okay well okay what what are some of the like biggest lessons that you have learned over the last 10 years building talk to me in korean anything you want to share um first of all i think i mean first of all this is my dream job. Um, there's nothing else that I would rather be doing other than this. Um, I love what I'm doing. And I think, it, especially if you love learning languages or teaching languages, um, having a business based on the language that you want to teach or you love learning or teaching can be a great option for many people. Mm -hmm. um, we often talk about um, monopoly or how you have to be number one in the industry to survive. But I think if you stay uh, you know, small as a business or as a team, you, there's always room for more channels, more la like mm -hmm. language entrepreneurs. So mm -hmm. I, I recommend that more and more people um, go into this. Um, like get into the business of teaching languages online. Yeah. Um, so what I've learned is in a summary, uh, I think I made a good decision um, and I want to continue doing this for a long time. And I want the people who have stuck with us for this long to you know stay with us for another decade so that, you know, who knows? maybe 20 years later, somebody can come up to me and say, I've known you for 30 years and I speak to you, I'm speaking to you in Korean. 
uh, fluently, something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's uh, yeah, that sounds that sounds beautiful. Um, there's one more question about uh, publishing books. Could you tell us a little bit about the uh, the process? Like, what are like the stages of publishing your own materials? First, of course, it starts with I think writing the content, and then you have like mm-hmm. uh, proofreaders and a designer, and then you need to publish it. Mm-hmm. Like, what 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 does the process look like? If you're doing it by yourself uh, through. Uh, Amazon or just selling an ebook in the beginning, you don't need many steps. You just write your script, you read it again or for the third time and maybe have a design for your cover. That's it. You just sell it as is. But if you're working with a publisher, the publisher's job is to provide you with a proofreader. So Mm -hmm. they will um, provide you with one or if they don't, um, you can get somebody to proofread your material and of course get more a higher royalty because you mm. put in more resources um, th- that's just it and um, you proofread we proofread like four times for um, errors and yeah. typos you proofread like from different angles or not really like is the one proofreader he looks at if the translations mm. are correct and then another proofreading who looks at the Korean text or, or, or not really yeah yeah, we uh, have two people proofread two times each. Uh, one person looks at the Korean part mostly, and the other person looks at the English part uh, mostly. And then the publisher also goes through the whole thing one more time. So, um, of course, there are some things that are still found after production. So we also fix it in the next batch. But the process itself is, isn't that complicated. Like if you look at all these tons of books that you see in the bookstores, um, I think the biggest hurdle is deciding to make this happen. Like mm-hmm. you decide that you will have your book published and distributed in the bookstores in three months. That's the biggest step. Um, what's the title? What is it about? How much is it? And how am I going to... What am I going to say about the book on my Instagram or something like that? Mm-hmm. In the, before this interview, you told me that, you know, even the professors at university, the students at university are using your books. How did that mm-hmm. go? They just found it naturally and picked it up, started using it, or did you actively promote that? So I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but a lot of the traditional Korean language teaching textbooks are old or they were written a long time ago. Or even if the books are written like recently, the design process doesn't emphasize heavily on the beauty of the books. So the books are good, but they they look boring. So uh, we were we are found mainly by customers, mm-hmm. students first, and then these people eventually. Some of them go to a Korean university for further studies, right? And the university teacher asks, this is a very common scenario. Oh, I see that you know some Korean already. Where did you learn? And they all mention, talk to me in Korean. So they start wondering, what is this talk to me in Korean thing? They look it up. They see uh, the following numbers and they they see the amount of books that we have. So right now, um, I'm honored but um, a lot of professors actually invite me to their lectures as a one-time lecturer to give a a special lecture on how to teach korean online 
um, during the regular semester. So I've been I've been uh, giving talks at multiple universities um, so far. Well, that's really cool. And yeah. so, so your brand, your books are basically a refreshed version of the Korean uh, the Korean yeah, books or books that they're, they're used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would I would say they are more stylish. They're more fun. They're more modern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're more also at the same time they're more Instagram friendly. Um, <laughs> also you, important. You, you can, yeah, you can you can hold uh, some of our books like this and like pose for a photo and you wouldn't be embarrassed with our books. Yeah, you look good, like right? You, Everyone can see that you're learning yeah, Korean with these cool books. Exactly. You ha you have some beautiful, pretty books, but if you pick up any other regular university course material. No, you, you, you don't want to be seen with some of those books. Uh, so I think the design is also important. Yeah, so how important yeah. do you think it is for your books to be Instagrammable? Like, do you, do you think that Instagram and, and people sharing all those pictures with your book, do you think that this has really contributed to the success of your books? I think it's essential. Um, really? When, yeah, yeah. When you post something on social media, social media is a very um, important part of our daily life when you post something even even you even when you go for a walk or like go for a run if you happen to be wearing something tacky something not stylish you are, you are not going to post that photo um, but if you have a brand new phone and the phone looks great or it, it looks expensive or you have a beautifully redesigned room you will post more pictures of the new thing and that's how other people know what you're up to and the next time you meet somebody instead of the boring hellos or how are you's they will ask you oh i saw on instagram that you got that new new um t-shirt or yeah. that new it's a conversation starter. design exactly and that's what keeps people going like when you share beautiful books there will be more conversation about the books um if if you get to post at least one more picture because the books are more pretty, I think it's a huge huge success for the learner. Yeah, uh, yeah, because that's that puts you one step further uh, ahead of other people. So maybe that's also a good reason to publish like physical books because people can hold them in front of them and and, and promote them yeah. for you on, on on social media. Exactly, exactly. People are. Um, all the same in in some ways yeah um yeah so that's why many businesses make their packaging pretty yeah that's that's really interesting because one of the questions that i asked myself before this interview is like okay how how could this become so big right and i think i'm getting an understanding of of how it works you can confirm if if, if i'm if i'm right or not so from what i've seen like from the beginning basically well you were for, for one of the early the early movers right one of the first people in korea who got started with a youtube channel you know sharing lots of stuff for free um helping people learn in korean so i think you got some traction there but then i think like these days yeah, you're basically the um, like a f a new generation of educational books for people who want to learn Korean, and you know you really take into account social media, having a good design. It needs to you know it needs to feel good, it needs to look good, it needs to be shareable. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Do, do you do you agree? Like, do you think that that's what what makes you your brand unique? I agree. And in the heart of all that, if you don't have good content, all of that doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so you you need to start with good content. And I hire people. Like when I hire new people, I always look at um, their content ideas and um, their work ethics, all that. But more importantly, like their personality. Uh, does does that person's personality match the personality of the company? Because when we are close friends, when we work together more enjoyably, we good things come out. Yeah, there's better But, energy. Yeah, exactly. But when there are lots of company politics and all that, um, the content is going to start uh, getting worse and worse. And even with beautiful designs, uh, people will see. But now I think we have a good balance of great ideas, great synergy of all the people who, who like each other and uh, working hard and good design. All that is just, I think, combined. Mm. Uh, one well if two, if two more questions and um the next question is how do you learn about like running or building a business have you ever had any mentors of people you learned from or you figured it all all out by yourself do you, do you have any guidance i read a lot of business related uh, books um, and this only started five or six years after i launched the business so yeah i i learned a lot of lessons by trial and, and error but these days I, i've been i read a lot of uh, business related books uh, i listen to a lot of stuff when i drive and um of course all these things are repetitive and i already know some of those things but they're good reminders um for, so, for me so you're mainly self-educated yes <laughs> i think most entrepreneurs are mm, yeah um, yeah, well, then the, the final question, do you have any final tips or advice for people who want to become a Langpreneur? Mm, always think about um, what your audience or your customers want from you or like about you. Um, don't copy other people's success models because you're not them and they're not you. So just be true to yourself. And uh, my, I teach Korean mainly in English, and I know my English is not perfect, but it's fine because my Korean is perfect. Mm -hmm. my, you know, Korean is what I'm teaching. So have confidence in what you're teaching and um, making mistakes is okay. Just uh, be, be true to yourself. Keep your own style. People will like you for who you are. Well. Wow. Thank you. Well, really a pleasure to have you on the interview. Um, if people want to learn more about you and about what you do, where can they go? They can go to talktomeinkorean.com and that's where you will find all the info. Thank you very much. Thank you. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.